In today's brief, we'll talk about railways, virtual reality, and Russia reapplying to the UN Human Rights Council. I'm Linnea, and today is Thursday, September 28, 2023. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's get started with the news in Ukraine from the front. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that Russian losses yesterday included four tanks, 12 armored combat vehicles, or ACVs, 38 artillery systems, one multiple launch rocket system, or MLRS, one anti-aircraft system, and 330 personnel. The pace of losses appears to have slowed somewhat, though the rate of destruction of Russian artillery systems remains impressively high. Ukrainian forces continue offensive operations to the east in the Bakhmut direction and to the south in the Melitopol direction. Commander of Ukrainian forces fighting in Donetsk and Zaporizhia oblasts, General Oleksandr Tarnavsky, reported last week that the AFU had breached Russian defensive lines near Verbova in central Zaporizhia oblast. It's important to note that a breakthrough of one line of defense is not a breakthrough of all lines of defense. And while General Tarnavsky lauded the success at Verbova, he also emphasized that the true breakthrough on the southern front would be the liberation of Tokmak, roughly 25 kilometers further south, which is, in his words, quote, the minimum goal, end quote, of the counteroffensive. According to the British Ministry of Defense, or MOD, intelligence update, it's unlikely that a new Russian offensive will begin in the coming weeks, due to Russia's early and piecemeal deployment of units of its new 25th Combined Arms Army to shore up the overstretched defensive lines. In the eastern theater of operations, Ukrainian forces near Bakhmut in Donetsk Oblast have established fire control over the Bakhmut-Horlivka Highway, a key supply route or ground line of communication, called a GLOC, for Russian forces in the area complicating the movement of troops and equipment. According to Operational Command East spokesman Ilya Yevlash, quote, We are delivering fire strikes using all available artillery means and drones. It is significantly more challenging for the enemy, he means Russia, to supply various provisions to their group in this direction and also to Bakhmut, end quote. In the temporarily occupied territories, Russia has started building railway lines between the occupied cities of Mariupol, Volnovakha, and Donetsk in Donetsk Oblast, which will subsequently be connected to rail lines from the Russian cities of Taganrog and Rostovandan. If successful, the new rail lines would significantly decrease Moscow's logistical dependence on the Crimean Bridge and routes through occupied Crimea according to Petro Andryushenko, advisor to the legitimate and exiled mayor of Mariupol. Currently, Russia is heavily dependent on supply routes through Crimea, which have been disrupted by repeated Ukrainian attacks on the bridges linking Crimea to occupied Kherson Oblast to the north and Russian territory to the east. On the home front, Ukrainian Minister of Defense Rustem Umerov said during an interview with CNN that Ukraine will respond to Russian strikes on energy infrastructure, noting that Russia will focus on attacking Ukrainian infrastructure in the winter like they did last year. 
Ukraine has had to move some of its domestic missile production abroad after a Russian attack on a munitions manufacturing facility, according to Secretary of Ukraine's National Security and Defense Council, Oleksiy Danilov. The Ukrainian Border Guard Service has suspended the Orlivka ferry crossing between Ukraine and Romania following the Russian drone attack on Tuesday night, during which two truck drivers were injured and granaries, administrative buildings and vehicles were damaged. At this time, traffic is being redirected to other crossing points through Moldova. Speaking of vehicle damage, let's talk about the Russian Federation and effectively occupied Belarus. Explosions and a large fire were reported overnight between September 26th to 27th near Moscow in the area of the Chakalovsky military airfield and the Sokolivska station. At the time of recording, there was no further information available. Ukrainian Operational Command East reported that of the roughly 8,000 private military company or PMC Wagner Group mercenaries who were stationed in Belarus, around 500 have returned to the front in Donetsk Oblast, noting that the PMC doesn't pose a, quote, significant threat, end quote, since the death-slash-possible assassination of their leader, Yevgeny Prigozhin. The Russian Volunteer Corps, a unit of Russian citizens fighting on the side of Ukraine, reportedly conducted another raid in the Kursk region, according to the head of Ukrainian intelligence, Lieutenant General Kirill Budanov, crossing the border and inflicting losses among Russian border guards and soldiers before returning to Ukrainian territory. Ukrainian forces also struck the Kursk region with drones, hitting the Federal Security Services, or FSB, headquarters, a military airfield, and a nearby oil depot. A trial of 24 defenders of Mariupol from the Azov Regiment began in Rostov-on-Don yesterday, with Russian authorities intent on a sentence of life imprisonment for the POWs on charges of, quote, forcible seizure of power and, quote, participation in a terrorist organization. I guess the irony of charging Ukrainians who were defending their sovereign territory from a forcible seizure of power by Russia, which has regularly engaged in acts of terror against Ukrainian civilians, is lost on the Russian authorities. In News Worldwide, the United Nations Independent International Commission of Inquiry on Ukraine has found continuing evidence that Russian troops are committing war crimes, according to the Commission's report on September 25th, and according to Commission Chair Eric Musse, the Commission is, quote, now undertaking in-depth investigations regarding unlawful attacks with explosives, torture, sexual and gender-based violence, and attacks on energy infrastructure, end quote. The BBC reports that, despite all that, Russia is trying to rejoin the United Nations Human Rights Council, after being expelled in April 2022 for invading Ukraine. Russian diplomats are seeking to be re-elected to the council with a position paper that reads, quote, Russia promises to find adequate solutions for human rights issues and seeks to stop the council becoming an instrument which serves the political wills of one group of countries, end quote. Which sounds totally legit. The United States State Department responded to the position paper on Tuesday, with spokesperson Matthew Miller stating, rather diplomatically, quote, I would say I think we've been pretty clear about where we stand on Russia's approach to human rights. The secretary has been clear that we've seen Russia commit war crimes and crimes against humanity in Ukraine. We've made clear that there needs to be accountability for those crimes that they have committed, 
And so certainly I think representation on a body devoted to human rights is not consistent with their actions in Ukraine. End quote. Polish investigators have concluded that the projectile that landed in Przewod of Poland last year, killing two people, was a stray Ukrainian anti-air missile launched to intercept a Russian strike. Ukrainian authorities had previously insisted that the missile had been launched by Russia. On Tuesday, Turkish President Erdogan said that the Turkish Foreign Minister Hakan Fidan spoke with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken last week in New York, and Turkey's parliament will keep its promise to ratify Sweden's accession to NATO if U.S. President Joe Biden's administration allows the sale of F-16 fighter jets to Turkey. A German-Japanese company, DMG Mori, one of the world's largest cutting machine tool manufacturers, announced its withdrawal from Russia after the start of the full-scale invasion last year, but reportedly continues to help the Russian military industry, according to Project Agency. The Register of Legal Entities indicates that both of DMG Mori's Russian-based corporations continue to operate in Russia without changing ownership. The U.S. Department of Justice has begun a full-scale investigation into Credit Suisse over suspected compliance failures that allowed Russian clients to evade sanctions, according to Bloomberg. UBS Group, which acquired Credit Suisse this summer, is also suspected of possible compliance failures. Let's talk military and tech. The Lithuanian MOD announced that the country has provided maritime surveillance radar to the Ukrainian Navy. Along with the other Baltic states, Lithuania has given disproportionately to Ukraine, provided ongoing training, medical treatment and rehabilitation to members of the Ukrainian military, and delivered significant financial aid. A group of Lithuanian and Latvian entrepreneurs recently helped to set up a bomb shelter capable of withstanding a nuclear attack in the Shevchenkivsky district of Kyiv, utilizing lightweight plywood furniture designed by Vilnius Tech University in Lithuania. Another shelter, in a school in the Borodyanka area northwest of the city, is currently in the works. Switzerland is reportedly considering a plan that would sell some of its German-made Leopard 2 tanks back to the manufacturer Rheinmetall. Switzerland has refused to allow Swiss-made weapons to go to Ukraine, which has frustrated nations like Germany, Denmark, and Spain, who were keen to re-export weapons they had purchased from Swiss manufacturers to Ukraine. In order to comply with Swiss so-called neutrality laws, Germany has assured that the Leopards would not go to Kyiv, but remain in Germany or with a NATO or European ally, effectively helping to rebuild stocks depleted by aid to Ukraine. According to Defense Express, tactical aviation brigades of the Ukrainian Air Force are utilizing special simulation equipment to enable pilots to learn how to operate F-16s and get familiar with the systems before they're sent to training programs in Europe or the United States. The simulator is relatively simple. Utilizing a basic virtual reality setup with a computer and VR headset, and a joystick, levers, and pedals for controls. That's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports. And please consider supporting our work on Substack. You'll find the links in the description. We'll be back tomorrow with more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. Do pobaczenia.